0: So today we're going to talk about uh, the uh, a deeper pass, higher turn of the spiral, or deeper into some of the roots of the process, going from pain to release, which includes neurosis, which includes self-image, which includes defense mechanisms, includes and analysis of various defense mechanisms, and particularly splitting, we'll look into that today. And we'll see how far we can go. Uh, The first link where we started, everybody understands, is Primal Therapy, coming out of the Janov School. Uh, There's a particular section here I just want to highlight and then move on from, in the section called Consciousness and Repression, under the box showing the three levels or lines, which we talked about, which accord with the first three chakras pretty well. First, second, third level or line trauma, physical, emotional, mental, uh, particularly associated with uh, physical violation and trauma of from early childhood, emotional deprivation or wounding, and intellectual deprivation or wounding. In Mac, you know, the pain that gets imprinted. Uh, Janna focuses on unmet needs, <coughs> like deprivation. Uh, we can also add to that uh, violation. So there's physical, emotional, and intellectual violation or abuse, as well as needs associated with physical, emotional, mental, <coughs> that are unmet, that then rise to a certain level of pain that gets imprinted, that then becomes a basis for neurosis, and distorted self-image, which is a contribution from Karen Horney, Horney, which we're going to look into a little bit further as a foundation to go to the next step, which is a deeper analysis of splitting, and then various personality disorders that come from that. and particularly uh, a, a more um, expanded take on these psychodynamics. Uh, defense mechanisms and uh, distorted self-image and neurotic tendencies, right? Right. So we have pain that gets imprinted uh, associated with physical, emotional, mental trauma or violation and associated with physical, emotional and mental needs and desires unmet that rise to a certain level of pain uh, from the strength of the input and the strength or quality of the Receiver, the child's uh, capacity to handle that trauma, violation, abuse, unmet need. Uh, it takes two to form, or, or both are critical, and what, what leads to imprinting pain in one doesn't for another. Uh, it depends on the individual receiver. But under that box in the page on primal therapy, there's something, there, there's the first bullet point which I think is uh, interesting to look into again. Uh, Janov, the quote from the Wikipedia page, Janov, Arthur Janov, describes defenses, and that's what we're going to look at when we talk about neurosis and splitting and narcissistic personality, narcissistic tendencies and narcissistic personality disorder, borderline tendencies and borderline personality disorder, uh, because there's a disorder which is full-blown there's also the tendencies which we all have more or less that are associated with defense mechanisms uh, and a uh, expanded understanding of splitting that is the nature of neurosis which is a poor uh, long-term handling of the imprinted pain. So This bullet point, Janov describes defenses as the agents of repression that consume energy, which is a very Freudian way of viewing it, while protecting the system, meaning the sense of self, the mind, from catastrophic pain of unfulfilled need or the trauma or abuse. When referring to pain or defense, the word line is used instead of level, first-line pain equaling early trauma, meaning physical, first-line physical, imprinted in the brain stem or imprinted in the mind, usually involving physical energy, physical injury, third-line defense, equaling intellectual defense, and uh, you've got a pretty straight line from uh, catalyst such as unmet needs physical, emotional, mental, and trauma or violation or abuse physical, emotional, mental that rises to a certain level or threshold of intensity for that person getting imprinted which is first, second, third line, pain. Uh, But particularly, the pain goes to a defensive mechanism that is uh, self-protective while avoidant. The protective nature of defense mechanism. That's why they're called defense, right? Defense against what? Defense against anxiety, but particularly defense against the raw pain. The raw, particularly sorrow because underneath anger is sorrow and sure some people avoid deep anger or we may avoid our anger sometimes we may have have defense defensive structures to pretend we're not angry we may have defensive structures to pretend we're not sad um not everybody has such intensity of raw um you know catastrophic pain uh but defense mechanisms are indeed protective Uh, and yet they're also avoidant. So there's a secondary gain in all defense mechanisms or avoidance, including splitting and narcissism and and borderline tendency uh, that all come out of distorted self-image. Even distorted self-image can be seen as protective against uh, the re-experiencing of uh, deep pain, which may be anger, sorrow, fear, (laughs) helplessness, um, impotent rage, uh, grief, all of these strong physical, emotional, mental thoughts and feelings um, that are avoided, that are that require that, that require release for healing. And so it's important to at least understand, certainly for a therapist or a counselor, and then for us understanding where we're coming from, why am I why am I this way? Well, there's a secondary gain or the value uh, of being, the 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 value (laughs) of being neurotic is uh, a protection against something that's felt to be even more painful. And so uh, this is just an important acknowledgement that there are valid reasons, (laughs) reasonable causes for distorted self-image and various neurotic tendencies or harmful, unhelpful ways of thinking and feeling and reacting. Uh, and so, <clears throat> rather than blame ourselves or another, it's, it really is critical to the long-term healing process, the healing cycle, uh, to acknowledge Ooh, how I've become this way, how you or the other has become this way, which may be quite distorted in self-image, in behavior, in speech, in core beliefs, uh, uh, in terms of values even, uh, there, there is a value uh, to those distorted overlays, self-image, thought and feeling, behavior, tendencies, um, that avoids an even deeper or what's felt to be a more catastrophic pain. Then when we get to a discussion of neurosis, um, the Wikipedia page that I started with, looked at last time. I'll just keep sending these links, and you can find where I am. Uh, down the page a bit, in the section from uh, analysis of Karen Horney's book, Neurosis and Human Growth, a couple of paragraphs down, uh, there's the statement, Each per- each person builds up his, her personal idealized image, From materials of his own special experiences, earlier fantasies, particular needs, and given faculties. And this is the critical point in terms of formation of distorted self-image. If it were not for the personal character of the image, self-image, he, she, would not attain a feeling of identity and unity. Now, (laughs) there's no feeling of unity, but there is a feeling of cohesive identity. So one of the secondary gains or benefits of the distorted self-image or any self-image, actually, and self-image goal is is ahamkara, the self I making, which is the eighth, which I would say, you know, is uh, <clears throat> coming from Ramana Maharshi's theory, or talking about um, breaking through distorted dualistic consciousness, which is distorted self-image, uh, in a in a more refined way, the fashioning of subjective identity, I'm here me in this body with this personality different or essentially separate from the environment and you and totality. Ahamkara in that metaphysical sense, I'd say no different than the eighth fetter in Buddhism conceit, um, which is seems to be unrecognized by the Buddhist monks and teachers, Western teachers forget about it, but the Buddhist monks and masters who talk about the Ten Fetters. Because, you know, there's no reason to talk about uh, the breakthrough at the fourth stage of awakening, Arahant, which breaks out, breaks the last three fetters. But if you want to see what breaking through the last three fetters is all about, uh, I recommend uh, looking at the talk I just did yesterday and posted, uh, which is titled Alone Beyond Fear, uh by a Berava Sutta, which is basically Gautama explaining his experiences on the final night under the Bodhi tree, under the Bow Tree, where he achieved complete and perfect awakening, which is called the movement from third to fourth stage awakening, from non returner to Arahan. And what he basically broke through, the way of breaking through the final three fetters self conceit, ahamkara, and restlessness and basic avidya was to pass through fear and terror. Was to not change his position when fear and terror arose in the mind, which is exactly the same called annihilatory dread. The fear of I will be annihilated. Uh, I faces destruction. Uh, It's sheer terror. And he talked about his going through that. That's what breaks the final three Fetters. And that's what breaks all distorted self-image, and that's what empties uh, out from so, empties out subjective separative identity to a realization of unity. So uh, self-image is not of unity, it's of duality. Karen Horney didn't see that, of course, because she doesn't have a, you know a metaphysical perspective. but there certainly is relatively healthy or relatively flexible. or love-wisdom-informed self-image versus highly distorted self-image, but uh, self-image will carry all the way up uh, through the third stage awakening, non-returner, and only, I would say, is broken by passing through fear, terror, and annihilatory dread, meaning super-duper fear, terror, and panic, uh, that I will be annihilated, then it's then one breaks out of any fashioned identity and uh, beyond higher self is freedom from identity or fashioned identity then one discovers real unfashioned identity which is i would say infinite presence now back down to <coughs> 3d and the lower triad uh she says, if it were not for the personal character of the image, or I could say the personalization of self-image, leads to a feeling of identity and cohesive, uh, cohesive identity or sense of self. And these are the three types of self-image that I think are worthy of uh, further amplification or understanding, amplification in the sense of uh, amplifying or unpacking. He idealizes, going on from her book, he idealizes, or the person idealizes to begin with, his particular solution of his basic conflict, meaning how to handle unmet needs and, and the early pain. Compliance. This is the this is the deflated self-image. Compliance becomes goodness, love, saintliness. The second being, I'd say, the inflated uh, self-image. So from deflated to inflated, deflated being compliance and subordination, submissiveness inflated being aggressiveness becoming or seen to be for that person strength, leadership, heroism, omnipotence and then the erased or um, uh, neutralized self-image and avoidant, a a basically dissociated self-image aloofness becomes wisdom, self-sufficiency, independence so the uh, splitting as we're going to get to uh, that separates uh, the uh, consideration of, of one's uh, whole spectrum and the whole 360 degree sphere and range of tendencies and qualities of mind and, and personality, the splitting of an idealization of self-image, even if it's a um, victim identity or a inferiority complex. This is an idealization as well, meaning it's not realistic. it's uh <clears throat> devalued in the case of an inferiority complex or some aspects of compliance of or submissiveness, but it's uh unrealistic, and it's also uh there, there's a bit there, there's a whole lot of conceit in it. <laughs> Nobody's free of conceit, no self-image is free of conceit. Uh, or we could say uh, a very subtle arrogance uh, until the eighth fetter is broken, (laughs) until uh, one is really at the threshold of complete and perfect enlightenment. And so these three types of self-image, one I would call deflated, uh, submissive, including uh, some aspects of victim identity or inferiority complex, but victim identity these days seems to be highly aggressive. (laughs) So... It's a very twisted presentation, I'd say. But compliance, meaning the person uh, is voluntarily self-subordinating to others, uh, repressing their thoughts and feelings, going along with others, I don't have an opinion, I blend with others, I let them lead me. Uh, That is reframed by the person as goodness, love, or saintliness, a mark of their superiority, or a mark of their um, greatness, that they can do so and others can't. I can subjugate myself and you can't. (laughs) I'm better than you, therefore. That's a sort of tangled up, deflated self-image. Then there's the tangled, uh, uh, inflated self-image of aggression, which is very much narcissistic personality disorder or narcissistic tendency. So they're basically aggressive and hostile and critical and angry and full of, um, full of, uh, spit and venom, we can say, or when we are, um, leading with hostility, uh, there is some deep mind reframing that, though that, that aggression and, and a harshness, malicious speech, harsh speech, right? Two aspects of wrong speech, uh, is, is seen as strength or greatness or superiority, right? So it's aggression and hostility uh, that is reframed into a superiority complex. All the negatives are that way, and, and we may think of ourselves that way sometimes, too, when we're leading with hostility, or when we're, we're dominating a conversation, talking over other people, or interrupting, or uh, not listening, or we need to, to say more, and I need to say something more, and I need to keep saying more. Um, this is a sort of controlling or dominating tendency uh, that often uh, is at one level seen as proving my superiority, proving my goodness, proving my competence and capability, or and or compensatory to self-doubt. <clears throat> it's In fact, it's very common that superiority complex uh, presented uh, is compensatory for uh, low self-esteem uh, repressed, unrecognized. And so the polarities, like raw talked about, the genetic modification of uh, early Hebrews uh, twenty five to 3,500 years ago, giving them some kind of a superiority slash weakness complex. So it almost always... Uh, a polari a distorted polarized presentation hides the complementary pole repressed in the deeper mind so and and in fact, the deflated self image is sort of an example of um weakness arrogance. <laughs> the person presents with weakness or compliance or self subordinating or submission uh obedience humility, a false humility, and underneath there is a bit of conceit and arrogance. That's weakness slash arrogance superiority. Then we have superiority slash weakness, or leading with hostility, aggression, ill will, particularly, and controlling, uh, where underneath is all out of self-doubt. Then we have what could be called erased or dissociated self-image, aloofness becoming or seen, reframed by that person as wisdom, self-sufficiency, independence. <clears throat> I'm better than you, or I'm good and valid because I don't need to feel. I don't feel. Everything's okay for me. Oh yeah, it's all fine, it's all fine. That's a kind of spiritual bypass. So that was the discussion last time of spiritual bypass. And um, all of these can be understood as um, based in a In a more expanded understanding of splitting, the mechanism of splitting. Now, going to the page on splitting. Uh, Let me send, let me count thy ways, and let me um, send a link. It's a funny, a lot of strange characters there, but it should work. We went into this, and we'll um, launch further from this at this point at the beginning of the top of the page splitting, also called black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking Uh, this is the common definition. Failure in a person's thinking to bring together the dichotomy of both positive and negative qualities of self and others into a cohesive realistic whole and you can say that all defense defense mechanisms or neuroses are um, unrealisms the irrationality of um, defense mechanism uh, protocol or defense mechanism function. Defense mechanism uh, is realistic in the sense that it does provide some protection against psychic pain. But it's irrational in, the, um, in its logical presentation, meaning no one is all good or bad, and the compliant person uh, may have a bit of arrogance or a lot the aggressive person may have a whole lot of self-doubt. The deflated or dissociative identity person uh, does feel, does think, does have opinions, and uh, does go up and down. They just don't want to admit it. And so splitting in the macro or the micro analysis as um, an un- inability to form a, a more discerning and realistic, cohesive whole in understanding self and other and relationship and world or anything. Uh, people do this all the time in greater or lesser ways. Uh, somebody saying, well, if he's mistaken on this, then he must be mistaken on everything, so we should just throw him away and don't read and don't listen to anything he has to say. Very stupid, really. Or... Well, if I failed now, then I'll fail forever. Or I I'm smarter than you, therefore you have nothing valuable for me to listen to. <laughs> all of this is wrong. It's unrealistic. It's irrational. It's it's false. And so, the mechanism of splitting which can lead to psychosis or neurosis and or all sorts of wrong views and misperceptions. Um is uh, very common. <laughs> and spiritual bypass is a form of splitting, again, from this expanded understanding of, of this mechanism. Spiritual bypass is uh, akin to that dissociative identity or fashion, you know, idealized self image along the line of uh, erased or dissociative. Uh, I, I am my breakthrough, nothing more. I have no lower triad blockages. Or who cares about chakras? I had awakening. I realized non-duality. So what? You're finished with the whole path, bro? And so people don't know. People, the the splitting, you know, anybody who's arrogant, truly arrogant, is is split off from the reality of all their wounding and all the work that's not yet done on the seven chakras. You know? You're not finished unless you are omniscient, omnipotent, and, uh, and omnipresent. Okay, that's all, and we all know that. I've said that many times. If you're not uh, the master, a master of the seven dimensions, then you're not finished. I mean, again, look at that—the uh, talk on you know, alone beyond fear—to see what Gautama realized: three knowledges uh, when he broke through uh, fear and terror, or annihilatory dread, and broke out of uh, subjectively fashioned selfhood. Or a selfhood, or a sense of self that's subjectively fashioned based on avidya. Uh, he be- gained a full awareness of all his past lives, and all the past lives of everybody he's looking at, <laughs> and he could see beings dying and being reborn, in the thirty-one planes, and he was aware of um, the cessation of uh, cessation of dukkha and, and samskara. <laughs> the fact the The the, uh, nature of dukkha suffering and samskara or fashioning that's done by mind. Their nature, the uh, cause of dukkha, the basic basis of dukkha, suffering, stress, and samskara or sankara, fashionings, fabrications, mental conceivings, overlay, false interpretation, mental distortion in toto. The cause, the nature of those two, dukkha and sankara, their nature, their cause, the way to their cessation, and their cessation, and and then he was released. Released, he realized release, and that was it. If you're not there, if you haven't, if you don't have all that capacity, you're not finished. So obviously, we know we're not finished. And some people who've had awakening. Uh, some non-dual experience or trans-egoic realization of unity or joy or bliss or infinite meaningfulness. This is another approach that most people don't recognize. Once upon a time I had a certain um, energy transmission to the head through doing some qigong and uh, went into a a kind of fugue of joy, um, realizing the infinite meaningfulness and uh, preciousness uh, of all phenomena—that that all phenomena is infinitely meaningful and valuable and precious and beautiful—and felt joy and some bliss at that. Um, and then the experience passed away. <laughs> and of course, that doesn't mean the lower triad is uh, perfectly cleared. So, I uh, give you a lot. You gotta listen to these. You know, <laughs> this is not uh, easy listening uh, music. So splitting is a common defense mechanism. Yes, indeedy. Uh, Individual tends to think in extremes uh, regarding themselves, their motivations, and others and their uh, identity or their character. Right? He's all good. He's all bad. Now, down the page uh, in the section relationships, which we looked at before, Yes, indeed, of course, it creates instability in relationships because um, one person can be viewed as either personified virtue or personified vice at different times, depending on whether they gratify the subject's needs or frustrate them, right? So it's a resonance with early childhood needs, the experience of early childhood needs being unmet. When they're met, you're all good. When they're unmet, you're all bad. And and that's how people in arguments, couples in arguments, say, "You never listen to me. You never loved me." That's not true. Usually, it isn't. <laughs> in the beginning, you they may have listened to you, or they may have demonstrated real love, uh, or periodically they may. Uh, but that's a sp- that that type of statement uh, comes out of splitting. Uh, you never, this 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 dot dot dot. You never do what I want. Listen to me, fulfill my, you know, gratify my needs, or um, gratify needs, It is fulfill really one's needs, or, or fulfill my desires, right? Even the phrase needs is an arrogance and a conceit in the psychological community, because they don't understand <laughs> the capacity of self to fulfill self, uh, so they call desires needs, actually. That's another point, which could be elaborated, but not here and so this goes on this along with similar oscillations in the experience and appraisal of self leads to chaotic and unstable relationship patterns identity diffusion and mood swings so this is very well written and this is very absolutely correct so oscillations these are smart people (laughs) they have their limitations but they're quite smart they're quite smart and they have their limitations like we all do uh so i appreciate their intelligence and their insight and I recognize their limitations as well, and that seems pretty realistic. So, experience and appraisal of self, the experience of identity, is very much based in the appraisal of identity. Self-image uh, is the basis of uh, self-experiencing. The experiencing of life in many ways is an experiencing of self, the illusory selfhood, right? The empty sunya ahamkara. Sunya ahamkara, meaning empty sense of self. The empty fashion sense of self, empty illusory, empty of permanence, empty of substantiality or substantial, eternal being or present, you know, eternal. The fashioning, you see, that's the point, is that fashioning is uh, a samkara, right? Fourth skanda. Uh, Concoction, fabrication, fermentations. This is, um, trying to trying to uh, establish a stable uh, understanding on the basis of that which is continually degrading meaning um, any any fashioned thought or conceiving is continually degrading we have to keep amping it up to keep to keep um, it apparently stable and so self image is based on fabrication, whether it's deflated, inflated, or apparently, you know, presumably erased uh, these three types, Uh, it's illusory uh, and empty because it's impermanent. It comes and it goes. Meaning, uh, who are you if you don't think? Uh, In prolonged silence of mind, who are you? Can you identify yourself beyond thinking? Without thinking, can you know who you are? right? What is the self free of thinking? (laughs) Eh? Well, check it out. That's what Ramana Maharshi was saying. What am I? Who am I? Look into it. And so, uh, it's inevitable that there are going to be oscillations and swingings of mood and opinion and feeling based on the very impermanent insubstantial anatta you know anicca anatta nature of the fashion sense of self that's a metaphysical cut into all these the, the, comple- the high complexity of the psychodynamics of a sense of self again inflated deflated uh, or apparently erased uh, chaotic and unstable relationship patterns um, unstable mind is the result of a vidya <laughs> At a higher level um, there's always going to be there's no there's no stability outside complete and perfect awakening <laughs> there's no stability in in birth and death samsara there is no stability it's a burning house Gautama said so then when you reframe or put these psychological perspectives which are very important into a metaphysical perspective particularly Buddhism and the raw material uh, we see that what's considered psychological health is just relative it's a relative well being compared to all these various neurotic psychotic distorted um fashionings of self image and opinion and values and ways of being with others and thinking about oneself um, this is um high distortion to less distortion, but it isn't uh it doesn't understand the path the 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 reality of the cessation of all suffering, and the cessation of all fashioning, fermentation, fabrications, overlaying, conce- mental conceivings overlay, and that's what Buddhism is talking about, and that's what raws is talking about when they talk about their exit of third, uh, from six to seven, when they talk about in seventh density, no more memory, no more identity. Okay, so that's. But here we're talking about some basic work in clearing lower triad blockage to prepare people for harvest of four. That's what what the purpose of human psychology is all about, psychotherapy, psychotherapeutic methods to help people and us clear lower triad blockages, and uh, particularly for anybody who can make good use of this, uh, bring greater love wisdom (laughs) to the um, experience and appraisal of self. And experience an appraisal of other, and experience an appraisal of life course, the life journey, to be to bring greater love wisdom to all experience, um, is the heart of harvestability to fourth density, for d And this whole discussion of uh, you know the nitty gritty of imprinted pain leading to distorted self image, leading to all sorts of uh hardened uh, delusively fashioned fixations on um some kind of rigidly some some attempt to rigidly maintain uh ways of avoiding pain and uh experiencing some kind of a cohesive sense of self uh is all associated with lower triad blockage <clears throat> and um that's the, you know, it's useful for that work, but they really um, don't understand human potential so well. So we're gonna go back, you know, we're, we're swinging through doing our scales here up and down the seven rays, or seven dimensional levels of evolution. Uh, that splitting <clears throat> is very similar, or gets, is, is when it gets very hardened Uh, it goes to BPD. And so down the page, I'll look into that, and then it's interesting, we have BPD and NPD, borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, which represents a a relative hard crystallization, fixation, rigidification of the various splitting tendencies that uh, are moving, you know, when they become uh, PDs, not police department, but that's similar. The BPD and the NPD, the, personality, the PD being personality disorder, uh, is generally associated with the movement from neurosis to psychosis, or uh, the difference between making sandcastles in the sky and living in them. So one one, worthy somebody said, psycho- neurosis is like building sandcastles in the sky, and the psychosis is like living in them. It's a further departure from, cons- from consensus reality, or a further um, attenuation of the capacity to live in consensus 3D reality, or a further uh, unrealism, a further uh, uh, stage or grade of delusion. So. In the section on BPD, splitting is a relatively common defense mechanism for people with borderline personality disorder. A pattern of unstable and intense, this is BPD description, unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization devaluation. Right? So, some people, it's not a good thing to drink alcohol <laughs> if one has a pattern of unstable Uh, and intense interpersonal relationships, or a a pattern of idealization versus devaluation. If one is prone to such, one should not be drinking much. Um, Alcohol very much damages mind uh, when excessively used, and um, these quasi-psychotic or um, significantly hardened defense mechanisms, NPD, DP, NPD BPD, um, are definitely worsened by uh, over alcohol or drug use. In psychoanalytic theory, going on, people with borderline personality disorder are not able to integrate good and bad images of both self and others, right? Representing a bad representation which dominates a good representation. And so, this school, I don't know the school is. <laughs> What school is it? Uh, this these tendencies, particularly, consequently, experience or people. Uh, this school hypothesizes, uh, wh- whatever school that is, but maybe object relations. Uh, certainly, uh, we do see that borderline PD or borderline tendencies, which are particularly um, splitting-generated idealization versus devaluation. Um, That person, uh, it's written and it's common, experiences love and sexuality as perverse and violent qualities they cannot integrate with tender, intimate side of relationships. So, uh, I had a client long ago, who later had a kind of psychotic break, um, whose father, woman, whose father, she told me, would sometimes joyously dance with her in the the living room of their house when, when she was a child, uh, Listening to some music happily, and then he would stop and slap her. <laughs> I mean that that absolutely, you know, leads to psychosis or is very damaging to the mind um, of anyone, particularly a child. And she lo- she she had a psychotic break later on, and that is one example of um, the inability to integrate a force with tenderness or love and hate or anger and um, tenderness. But this, you know, uh, they cannot integrate with tender-intimate side of relationships. So, I mean, it's not like we have to integrate perverse and violent (laughs) with tender and intimate. It's a little strangely written here. But one cannot integrate um, giving and receiving. Uh, One cannot heal old anger. Particularly, BPD is um, tendencies that uh, tendencies in mind and behavior. Right in mind, we've got inability. In mind, we've got the inability to integrate um, what I like and what I don't like. Um, The reality of pleasure and pain, or the 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 gestalt. Of a painful and pleasant experience, Gestalt meaning the whole, holistic, the holistic complex, uh, you and me and us and our past and our present and our future, interpersonally, when there's both pleasure or either pleasure and pain. If I'm happy with you, or I'm unhappy with you, based on what you do or say or what I do or say or what's happening with us somehow that the person is uh, is unable to form a, a cohesive integrated understanding of the reality of, of the experience of pleasure and pain alternating with another person or internally alone and that that lack of integration um... is metaphysically at a certain level and int- uh... lack of the integration of um... The reality of their experience of pleasure and pain, or good and bad, or what they like and what they don't like, or what they having their needs met and having their needs unmet, their needs and their desires, getting what they want and not getting what they want, uh, having what they like and not having what they like, um, love and wisdom, <laughs> <laughs> or or you know, yin and yang, uh, hard and soft, good and bad, up and down, mm, me and you even so all sorts of ina- the inability to unify the polarities or uh acknowledge polarity in a cohesive um in a cohesive understanding to integrate the reality of polarity the experiential polarity the polarity of catalyst sometimes i get what i like sometimes i don't uh sometimes they're kind sometimes they're not sometimes my partner listens sometimes she doesn't sometimes uh, we're close. Sometimes we're distant. Uh, sometimes I'm well. Sometimes I'm not. The, the that that the basic polarity of um, uh, experience, experiential catalyst, whether it's internal, or interpersonal, or even external. Uh, the inability to put those two together, and and realize uh, the the uh, holism of experience that includes both. Then, when we look at the page on BPD, uh, which again, uh, everyone manifests to some degree, or there's the PD, personality disorder condition, which is an an extremity, um, an amplification, a very hard, strong hardening of these tendencies of splitting into a uh, quasi-psychotic delusional state even, Uh, but meanwhile, everyone more or less does splitting. Any defense mechanism is a splitting uh, derivative, or splitting can be understood as uh, significantly what's occurring in all defense mechanism. So, paragraph 1, BPD, also known as Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder, or you. So they just keep, you know, people just keep, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it's uh, complications uh, on complications. Anyway, long-term pattern of abnormal behavior, right? So they keep focusing on behavior because they don't understand its roots. Unstable relationships with other people. Unstable sense of self. Unstable emotions. So instability. Well, <clears throat> that's a, it's an interesting perspective that instability... Uh, is the result of the inability to integrate polarity, to realize the unity, the, 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 pol- the polarized nation polarized nature of unified systems. There is good and bad. There is polarity. There is pe- pleasure and pain. There is clarity and confusion. There is desire and satiation. There is anger and peace. Right? There is love and, and aggression. Uh, and all of that is of myself or of you or of uh, any system. That is some kind of an integration uh, of polarity. The result of the inability or a consequence of the inability to make such an integration is instability. Instability is um, the non integration of polarity. Hey, hey. And you can also say that instability <laughs> is basically the result of an experience of polarity at a very high level. I mean, what kicks out the eighth fetter, conceit, ahamkara? You know, ahamkara, selfhood, the you sense of self, right? The fashioned, fermented, samskaric basis of ahamkara, right? Fermented, fashioned, compounded, mental, conceptual identity separative identity um, is itself polarity it's essential it's the essential polarity of subject object subjectivity subjectivism is the initial polarity <laughs> based in restlessness or instability right the ninth fetter restlessness the tenth fetter uh, conceit or i'd say ahamkara or subjectively uh, fashioned Uh, apparently separative subjective identity. I am me, you are you. I am this, you are that. Not I am all, or I is as I is. But uh, I is this, not that. Subject, not object. Here, not there. Now, not then. Now, that... This is just for real specialists here. (laughs) The metaphysical philosophers, uh, the few of you among here, or some of you upstairs, um restlessness of intelligent energy um, when perceived firstly first cognized or fermented equals ahamkara. Ahamkara is the first is the primary fermentation product, the, the primary fermented product of the of of a a consciousness apprehended polarity of intelligent energy. In the octave, obviously. <clears throat> so, ninth fetter, restlessness. <laughs> this is... Nobody talks this way. So, we're trying to integrate uh, object relation psychology with transpersonal psychology, with uh, Buddhist philosophy, with the raw material, <laughs> seven-dimensional metaphysics, to understand the the... Form it the formation of delusive, apparently separative, um, distorted self image. There is no non distorted self image, you say. The imaging is the fashioning, the samskara for skanda, sankara, the compounding, fabricating, fermenting itself is the imaging of a self. You know, the, the, the imagining of self is sankara, and that is um, consciousness the the first product of the very real polarity of intelligent energy. Love-light, light-love, right? Dancing thoughts, dancing light, vibration, right? Vibration is uh, a manifestation of the very polarity of intelligent energy, right? The very polarity of intelligent energy which is the basis of its vibration? That it, you know, the reason it vibrates is because it's polar- polarized, because um, it has, uh, you know, the quality of uh, electrical polarity, essentially, vibratory. When when that is first apprehended by consciousness, it becomes ahamkara, which is the imaging of identity. When the imaging of identity is finished, one smashes out the last three fetters. Uh, as as uh, as deep stillness is known, um, the imaging of uh, fashioned identity falls away, and one smashes out the eighth, ninth, tenth fetters and leaves the octave. Seems to me. So, uh, all relationships are unstable. <laughs> all sense of self is unstable. All emotion is unstable. So it's just a matter of degree of unstable. But BPD is very unstable. Meanwhile, we become unstable sometimes too. We are unstable. Emotional charge, right? Uh, When we, for the fully balanced entity, no situation would have emotional charge. Uh, The only emotion is love. When there's full healing and balance, meaning when the lower triad is fully cleared, the only emotion one registers is love, which can be compassion and sympathy for those in pain. Or sympathetic joy? The four Brahma-viharas. Uh, the only emotion that uh, is self-generated or internally generated or auto-katonis, auto, auto uh, katonis, really coming up into consciousness. This is a strange word that Jung uses. Auto-katonis is from the Greek. Katonis means arising from the, the depth. <clears throat> the only auto-katonis, so-called apparent emotion, is basically aspects of love which is very clearly shown in the four Brahma for the fully balanced entity in a fully balanced entity or in an entity that's fully cleared in the lower triad. And that's basically the four Brahma Vaharas of loving kindness which is a basic kindness open heartedness and compassion which is basically feelingful feeling for those in pain and um, mudita sympathetic joy which is happy that they're happy. I'm grieved that you're grieved, which is, um, uh, it's metta, karuna, um, uh, mudita, and upekka. And so, metta, loving-kindness, is a basic open-hearted das. Karuna, compassion, is I grieve when you grieve. Uh, mudita, sympathetic joy, is I'm happy, you're happy. And upekka, equanimity, is a basic well being and peace um, that is only associated with open heart. <laughs> you can't get into upekka or equanimity without open heart. That's why the negatives are so messed up. <laughs> Those that serve the self are totally messed up. They have no equanimity because they can't. Because they have, you need, <laughs> need metta for upekka. You, there's no equanimity without open heart, none zip zilch, and so the negatives are all screwy because um they can't open their heart and continue in the service to self path, so they have no equanimity, so they have no peace, you know, no peace for the wicked, as they say, and so they're a mess <laughs> then. There is uh, dangerous behavior, self-harm, people struggle with feeling of emptiness, feeling of abandonment. So this is all very heavy stuff, actually. Substance abuse, depression, eating disorders, um, suicidality. Not that everybody has this, obviously. This is a hardening of, of aspects of splitting, and... Um but we may get involved with somebody who has BPD, a friend or lover, partner, family member, and one should be able to recognize it and know what's going on here. Uh signs and symptoms. Let me just do a reality check back to Ooh ha <laughs> ha. Just a second. Just a moment. Yay. yay how's our time all right 53 minutes that's the longest I paused it in any of these right so BPD signs and symptoms Um, again we can recognize these perhaps in someone close to us we can recognize them particularly uh, occasionally or sometimes or regularly in ourselves you know depends depends uh, one may have some signs and symptoms and not be clinically diagnosable as a borderline personality disorder. Uh, on the other hand, um, it's it's very common that uh, when we're unwilling to unify or make some integration of, of polarity, then um we will be we manifest some of these tendencies so borderline personality disorder characterized by the following signs and symptoms markedly disturbed sense of identity <laughs> from a transpersonal perspective everybody has a markedly disturbed sense of identity but again we're talking about gradations and so real confusion about me and again again this is all i'd say related to the inability to Uh, realistically, honestly, frankly, kindly integrate the polarities of experience and the tendencies of self. Markedly disturbed sense of identity. Frantic efforts to, or or hard, strong efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment and extreme reactions. Splitting black and white thinking. Uh, Impulsivity and impulsive or dangerous behaviors spending, sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, binge eatings. It's very... uh, There is a sort of self-destructive or self-harming tendency here, obviously. Uh, Impulsivity going to intense or uncontrollable emotional reactions that often seem disproportionate to the event or situation. In fact, it's not often seem. It's... um, uncontrollable or intense emotionality is disproportionate to an event or situation. Now, there may be, um, you know, one should know the difference between catharsis and um, tendencies or or, or phenomenon experience that looks to be associated with borderline tendency. One could watch a movie and go into uncontrolled crying or grief and sobbing, Uh, because it's uh, triggering the old unhealed pain of sorrow uh, associated with loss or hurt or disappointment, that's good, meaning um, the person is releasing old pain. Now, that's not the same as thinking about it and making a whole story and going to, I'm so bad, or I'm going to be sad forever, or no one will love me, or this is terrible, or this cannot be, or I thought this was finished, and ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya. Yeah. All that is, is uh, overlay that, har- that that you know basically interrupts and obstructs a, a fuller releasing. But that itself is all not the same as regularly intense over-emotionality to, you know, somebody says, well, I think you're mistaken, and the person goes into flies into a rage again and again, or I think there's a problem here, <laughs> somebody says something or does something, and the person overreacts, right, so overreactivity, oversensitivity regularly, chronic overreactivity, high intensive emotionalism, that's a problem, and that's not the same as catharsis. Although, again, it can even be that a person is in a phase of catharsis where whatever they hear, they start to cry. Or things tick them off again, but it didn't happen six months ago. It just happened now. That can be associated with some uh, long-term gradual catharsis or triggering of old, blocked emotion. <coughs> Unstable, chaotic, pers- interpersonal relationship. Very, of course, <laughs> a mind that, that is prone to heavy splitting um makes chaos everywhere it's it's a split up life perspective self-damaging behavior so there's a whole lot of self-harming and anger directed to self which really was based in anger directed to other which really itself so we're talking about third line <coughs> defense mechanism complexity the self-damaging generally um, is an internalization of anger unexpressed to some other. The anger unexpressed to some other is itself a defensive avoidance of the sorrow associated with the hurt uh, caused by the other or in relationship to that other. So there's hurt and grief and sorrow that is avoided by anger aggression. Uh, It initially would be directed to others, um when further distorted com- you know and uh complexed <laughs> compl- complicated uh, the anger that a person feels is in is is unsuitably directed to other or shouldn't be disallowed is directed to self and so any kind of self-damaging behavior uh is sort of uh, like a third level distortion uh coming from anger that the person was disallowed to express to others or other, or had prevented themselves from expressing to other, uh, which itself is um, a split, a splitting product, a product of splitting, in that the person really felt hurt, but couldn't handle feeling weak and sad and grievous, but turned it to anger to other, which then got blocked, so they turned it in. And then when they block that, they go to depression. So, depression as a fourth line uh defense mechanism or a fourth line distortion, not fourth line, really fourth stage not not to be confused with Janet 's three lines in the lower triad, three chakras, but we can say there are stages of the uh formation of defense mechanism or distorted responsivity I mean even the sorrow may be distorted, you say you know um. My my house burned down, well, I think it's pretty damn normal to feel sorrow. However, would a Buddha feel sorrow? Nope. Not, not, not. Nope, nope, nope. So, freedom from desire equals freedom from sorrow. And those that are great and beyond us are really free of desire. So they're really free of sorrow. And therefore, they're also free of unreasonable anger <coughs> to others as an avoidance of deep sorrow, which they don't have either. Nor do they go into the next stage of defense mechanism avoidance, which is anger redirected to self. Nor do they go to the next stage, which I would say is the disallowance of all anger, which goes to depression and psychosis, straight up, you know, autism and um, very serious pathology when the person uh, hammers their thumb. <clears throat> so, first I'm sad. If I can't handle that, I'm angry at you. I'm hammering you. If I can't handle that, or I disallow that, I'll hammer myself. If I can't allow that, then I actually crawl up and go into the fetal position and go into depression. And that goes to autism. That goes to um, you know, very serious uh, pathology. Meaning the person really <clears throat> goes into a long-term um, kind of schizoidal dissociative condition, and off we go to schizophrenia. So, these stages of avoidance are all associated with splitting, or a, an amplified understanding of the word splitting. They're split, splitting-type uh, mental processes associated with avoidance. <coughs> and so, then, distorted self-image, obviously, but <laughs> only a Buddha has uh, non-distorted self-image, because they don't have <laughs> imaging of self. They're not fermenting, concocting samskara, compounding uh, a fashioned identity. So, (laughs) everybody, uh, uh, (coughs) the very imaging of identity is distortion, is falsehood, from a Buddhist perspective, as far as I know. Dissociation, which again, you know, is a step down towards psychosis, or a further uh, Deep de- disidentification, unhealthy disidentification with the with the mental emotional process, and then frequently accompanied by depression. Right further down, anxiety, which is a basic fear of the the raw the raw emotionalism in this mind. Uh, anger, obviously, substance abuse, which is anger turned inwards, and rage, which is anger turned outwards. So substance abuse is a anger turned inwards, rage is the anger turned outwards, anger is what that's all about. Anxiety um, is common when we're afraid of something, but neurotic or unhealthy or distorted anxiety is not the same as reasonable fear, right, you walk into the forest at night, it's okay to have anxiety, it's pretty normal, you ought to have anxiety if you're not a Buddha. If you're a Buddha, well, they can see in the dark, so everything's fine, and they also know their karma perfectly, so nothing to be afraid of. But, for us ordinary folk, um, <laughs> you ought to have anxiety when there really may be threat in the environment. But, this is not the same. This is pervasive, chronic, low-level uh, background anxiety, which you know is a fearfulness, which has karmic roots, too, of course. All these have karmic roots. Uh, the person may have been severely traumatized in childhood or in past lives or experienced or witnessed something really terrible and have a, a deep-mind, um, atmospheric default condition of fear or vi- or expectation of threat or danger or harm. And um, it was fashioned um, long ago, perhaps, and became hardwired or became, um, embedded in the, in the very, um, space of awareness in, in the deep personal mind. It's just personal, right? It's not higher self, but that, that anxiety can be very serious and certainly related to fear. And then depression, which has just shut down the whole thing. Um, because, um, I can't, I'm in a deep hole and I'll never get out is the view. So, uh, we can see that there's some pretty serious pain involved in this condition. Uh, I think that next time I'm going to wrap up um, and integrate more with this discussion of bipolar, uh, borderline personality disorder, or borderline tendencies, and then get a bit into the narcissistic which is again that inflated or grandiose self-image uh, borderline um, is in some ways although it's associated with splitting as is narcissistic tendencies or personality disorder um, borderline tendencies uh, are particularly associated with with uh, unstable rapid alternation between inflation and deflation it's it's uh, while we could say an inferiority complex or victim identity has something to do with a deflated self-image. And uh, narcissistic personality disorder, narcissistic tendencies have much to do with an inflated self-image. Borderline personality disorder, borderline tendencies, are particularly associated with um, an unstable alternation between inflated and deflated (laughs) self-image. This is good stuff here. You want to look into, you know, a while ago I thought I should talk about defense mechanisms, so here we are. Um my contributions to Earth humanity before departing. Uh, it's good stuff for future generations. Uh why does Gautama live in the forest? He said. Well, it's good and comfortable for him and as some benefit to future generations or sympathy for humanity. <laughs> I think that's why we do service in general. But um that's very um resonant and tender. I'd say. So next time we can wrap up or do some integration with discussion of borderline tendencies which again I'd say is probably um, an unstable alternation between inflated inflation deflation and that leads to the um, these tendencies of basically over uh, idealization devaluation of others as done as a as a manifestation of how the self is seen, as overvalued, inflated, and then uh, rapidly alternating or regularly alternating with deflated, devalued, deflated, devalued, inflated, overvalued, exaggerated. Uh, these are also. Um, uh, the, 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 this is also. Bipolar or borderline is clearly um, uh, related to uh, this alternation of of distorted self-image, while narcissism is is more stable in the distorted, inflated, grandiose self-image. And all of these are aspects of skin. So if you want to know about defense mechanisms, uh, here we go. And eventually, we'll get to catharsis. And um, a discussion from Gautama's view of dukkha, uh, which is the nature of all of this. So, I hope this has been helpful, um, heavy, but I think important, related to certain people, but all of us in some ways. So, just you know, all any uh, any anyone as all of us have distortions in mind or lower triad blockages will. Uh, periodically, sometimes, whenever, uh, be subject to these distorted patterns uh, of mind and behavior. BPD, or, you know, borderline narcissistic, distorted self-image of some type or other, defense mechanism, avoidance, splitting. So, I think it's quite useful. Anyway, thank you again for being here. I hope you're well, and good night.